amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill thing about Ballinger is that he's going to need to hit immediately in order to avoid getting sent back down and you know if he does that then uh he could end up being you know the most valuable fantasy rookie of 2017 uh but if he doesn't then we might not see him again until July or August of Flags Fly Forever, a Baseball Prospectus fantasy podcast. I'm your host, George Bissell. I'm a writer at Baseball Prospectus, and I'm joined by my usual co-hosts, Brett Sayer, BP's managing editor. Brett, welcome back to the show, buddy. It's good to have you. How was your vacation? It was good. It's good to be back. I'm alive. <laughs> you know who else is back and still alive? Mike Gianella of the BP fantasy team. Mike, how you doing tonight? Yeah, we, we survived uh, Gray's podcast, too, which, depending on your perspective, uh, we had Gray Albright on last week. Uh, either owe you an apology or or you loved it. That Those seem to be the two responses. People either loved it or hated it. It was, it was a little more freeform than what we we usually do on the show. <laughs> so would you say there were no gray areas in terms of the response? I, I would not say that. <laughs> yeah, Brett, you missed a, a heck of a show, but... Um, we're going to do expert fab tonight. We're going to talk about some players who are off to ridiculous starts, like Eric Thames. Brett, we haven't had you on in a couple of weeks. Eric Thames has added 10 home runs during that time. Uh, what do you think about Eric Thames right now? Um, he, uh, he He's pretty good. <laughs> Fact. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the cool thing about, about Thames isn't, isn't the power. It's the um, it's the it's the discerning, uh, you know, plate discipline. Um, it's just, it's, it's extremely impressive. I mean, I, you know, we, we kind of, I mean, we've talked about him on, on the podcast before and, you know, we kind of, you know, we, we, we've both, we've both advocated for him and made light of his, uh, Korean stats because of, 
you know, the types of uh, the types of parks and pitchers that are in the KBO. But, um, you know, this is uh, this has been a really, really impressive April. And I think uh, I think, you know, the one thing (laughs) the one thing I don't think this should do, which I think we might run into uh, which I think we might run into a little bit because this is just natural is that um, this this is an Eric Thames thing. This is not a Korean import thing. Yeah. Um, so where where people are gonna where I worry people are gonna get way too excited is the next guy that comes over uh, from being a forty home run hitter in <laughs> Korea. I mean, Byungo Park is still uh, probably at some you know at some watering hole in Rochester right now uh, <laughs> trying to figure out what he did wrong, but. Um, you know there <laughs> there is uh, there is the ability for players to 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 do what Eric Thames did in uh, in in Korea, but you know we, they don't have to be that good. I mean, I'm not waiting for someone. I'm not waiting for the uh, Yumeko Navarro contract to to come through. That's a yeah, shot. Jim 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 Aduce, Jim Aduce, don't don't race to pick him up in your your mixed league just because he's you know playing for the Tigers now. Um, quick, no, quick, I, I think. No, legitimately, I think I think Eric Thames is is a is a borderline. You know, not. I, I think he's a back end of the top ten first baseman. I think going forward for the rest of the year, it's probably higher I, than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't go that much higher than that just because I think I think the top seven, six to seven, are pretty locked in. So I think you know I. I'm not, think- I'm not talking about necessarily including his April in there because yes, he might. He might finish. Oh, yeah. He might finish as a top, you know, three to five first baseman if he performs like a top eight to ten first baseman going forward. But going forward, I think I think him being, you know, in the in the back end back end of the top ten among first baseman, I think is is totally reasonable. Brett, who would you rather have at this point, Jose Abreu or Eric Thames? Rest of the season, I'd rather have Abreu. Okay, uh, Thames or Carlos Santana. I'd rather have Thames. That's about the line. My my two quick points are the one negative about Thames, and I, I believe in him, and I believe you know the changes are, are legitimate. But you know, seven of those ten home runs are, have been off of a bad Reds pitching staff. Now, granted, he gets to face him, you know, them another thirteen times this year, so it's not like you know he's not going to see bad pitchers. But the other side of it is, you know, if he doesn't hit another home run this month and hits five home runs a month the rest of the season. That's a 35 home run guy, and and that that looks completely realistic to me at this point. And he's got a shot at 40, so so that to me is what you're looking at. You're looking at a a 35 home run hitter in all likelihood, whose average you know shouldn't be awful from what we've seen. And that to me is the line with Thames. You know, putting putting the comps aside, I I think that's what I I expect from him. You know, assuming health, of course. Speaking of comps, I thought the best tweet I've seen on the whole Thames situation is from Jonathan Judge uh, of the BP Stats team. He wrote that Eric Thames reminds us that being, quote, Bonzian has little to do with steroids and everything to do with decoding the plate discipline matrix. So I think there's a lot of truth to that. And that's, Brett, what you were talking about with, with Thames, that you know, just the command of the, the control of the strike zone is uh, really impressive so far. So I, I'm with you guys on that the other first baseman making news and and real quickly um just before we dive in the expert fab is uh cody bellinger who was just called up by the dodgers today uh i guess i'll start with you mike in terms of what you think the actual role is and 
whether or not he's going to be up for the remainder of the season or if this is just a temporary fix while Jack Peterson is out. Well, our, our colleague Craig Goldstein, and I saw you you retweeted this too, George, mm-hmm. so you, you, you saw it as well. I mean, he had some good points about this. Uh, my, my suspicion is they're going to try Bellinger in center or in the outfield, and I, I know that sounds weird. Uh, my, my feeling about him is, is that, and again, I'm repeating a lot of Craig's points, they're going to try him for the next couple of weeks, you know, with all the injuries the Dodgers have. And it's one of those situations where if Bellinger hits and he proves he can perform, they're going to try to find a place for him in the outfield. You know, they're obviously not cutting Adrian Gonzalez. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're not getting rid of him. He's not at that point of his career. But there's the other side of it. There's a risk, which is the Dodgers, you know, if, if Bellinger's up for, for two or three weeks and, you know, he does a Dansby Swanson, at least Dansby Swanson 2017, uh-huh. they have no reason to keep him up and, and they'll just, they'll send him down and, you know, they'll, They'll milk that service time. They're not a team to do that, but they'll they'll play off the performances is the short way of saying that. So, but he has a chance. I mean, he's really talented, as we all know. And you know, if I had to guess, I, I'd say there's a seventy percent chance that he makes the most of his chance, and they don't send him back down. So, Brett, what type of role do you envision Bellinger having in terms of the playing time the rest of the season, and how does that translate into fantasy value going forward? Um, and also. What kind of bid would you be making if, if for some reason he were available on a, on a mixed league waiver wire? How much of your fab would you be willing to put down right now? Um, I'd be willing to put down probably, I mean, fifteen percent, fifteen to twenty percent of my fab, depending on uh, what my offense looks like. Um, I think you know I, the. Th- thing about Ballinger is that he's going to need to hit immediately in order to avoid getting sent back down and you know if he does that then uh he could end up being you know the most valuable fantasy rookie of 2017 uh but if he doesn't then we might not see him again until July or August so you know there's a very fine line and really anything can happen over the course of two to three weeks um I don't think I don't think he is an extraordinary, I don't think he's a potentially elite offensive talent in the long run. I think he's a very good hitter. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to bet too heavily on him coming up and, uh, and going out like uh, going out like gangbusters and uh, and forcing the playing time. Yeah. Was he drafted in labor mix like as a reserve? Do you remember Brett? He was Jeff Zimmerman took him out. <laughs> I looked last night. He uh, he took him in the reserve round. So we so won't looked, we won't uh, really get to see him in, in terms of of a discussion point next week and and find out what you know the experts at least were bidding. Well, I don't think he's I don't think he's owned in labor mixed. Oh, labor mix. I'm sorry, I should have been clear. Labor mix is what I was asking about. Oh, um, I looked in tout. Uh, let me look in labor. This will be a good. Uh... Yeah, I'm looking too. You'll probably beat me. <laughs> I might. Well, that's true. You could also put on the, you know, the, the Spanish flea music. The yeah, the technical. Difficulty. He is a free agent. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's going to be interesting to see. You know, I I suspect somebody in labor mix is going to go about thirty for him. Yeah. All right. Uh, the only other piece of news I do want to touch on because it's brief. I promise. Uh, because he's not mentioned in the fab review, and that's probably because he's owned. Uh, Dan Vogelback is 
back with Seattle. Uh, very excited about this. I know Wilson Caraman out there, if you're listening, Wilson, uh, this is a great day uh, for the Vogelback community. Uh, enthusiasts, Brett, Dan Vogelback, how excited should we be? Because I am very excited about this. It looks like he's going to have that job the rest of the year, I would assume. Yeah, probably not as excited as you are, George. Um, I like Vogelbach a lot, um, but kind of for what he is. And I think I, I, I think people, I, I, I worry people get a little too carried away at what his ceiling is. I think that I think he can be a really solid first baseman. I think he could, I think he could hit around, you know. Maybe not immediately, but I think he could hit around 270, 280 with with 20 home runs, maybe a touch over 20 home runs. I don't think he's going to be a 30 home run hitter um, at this point. I don't think he's going to be a 300 hitter. Uh, I think he's just going to be good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, depending on the playing time and where he hits in that lineup, I mean, if he's hitting fifth in that lineup behind, you know, the good bats that they have, I think they'll be. Uh, a lot of RBI opportunities, um, just because I think he'll he'll put the ball in play uh, a, a fair amount. But you know, I you know, for example, I I have him in um, in labor mixed. I drafted him as a reserve, and uh, I did not put him in my lineup this week. Um, and I don't honestly, I don't anticipate putting him in my lineup until someone gets hurt. Yeah. Um, so I have, I mean, just for reference, I mean, the guys that I'm, the corner guys that I am playing over him are Ulysses uh, uh, Guriel, uh, Ryan Zimmerman, and Nick Castellanos. So uh, neither of those, none of those guys are coming out of the lineup for Vogelback. But I think he's a, I think he's a realistic starter right now in, um, in a 15-team mix, just with the right roster composition. I, I what I like about Vogelback is I think I like him from more of a long term standpoint. You know, it's that power and plate discipline type of profile, and I think that once he settles in against major league pitching, the power will start to come a little bit. And you know, it might take some time, but it's the type of skill set that I think really works, uh, especially if you're in a non base league. Like he's he's going to be pretty good for that. Mike, do you have any Vogelback thoughts, or should we move on? Because <laughs> I I think you guys covered it. I mean, he's cool. yeah, he's going to play. You know, Danny Valencia has has stunk and really should be batting mostly against left-handers. It looks like again, so he's got the opportunity, and I I pretty much agree with Brett. I know I've been a wet blanket on Vogelbach, but if he has the opportunity, I think what Brett's saying is realistic. Very good. All right, so a little bit of housekeeping here. You can read all of us at baseballperspectus.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Brett is at Brett Sayer BP. Mike is at Mike Gianella, and I'm at George Bissell. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or whatever app you use to listen to the show. Uh, let's do Expert Fab, guys. And, and, Mike, I'll let you guide us through it because there are some interesting names on this week's list and some guys that got picked up in mix that we've talked about a little bit on the only side but we haven't talked about with Brett. So uh, take well, it away. That's true. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll start with labor mixed. And, you know, Brett, you're – you know, George, you said that you know you want me to guide this, but Brett, since you're in labor mixed and you know you you've had some moves to make there, uh, we'll we'll start with Trevor Rosenthal. So Trevor Rosenthal went for eleven dollars to Scott Pianowski of of Yahoo, you know, and and Scott's in that unfortunate position that I think we were in, you know, one of the years we were, we were in labor where he just doesn't have a closer. Uh, he had 
a pretty ugly combination, you know, quite honestly. He had Jen Mark Gomez, uh, he had Sam Dyson, and, you know, Scott, if you're listening, I'm, I'm not making fun of you. I, I had Sam Dyson in a couple leagues and Gomez in one league. Um, actually, I'm sorry, he had Ben Y, he didn't have Gomez. Uh, he had Sean Doolittle. Uh, but the point is, now he has no save sources, so he's kind of bidding on a, you know, a flyer in Rosenthal, who, you know, I don't know how much of the Cardinals you guys have watched, so I, I just kind of want to you know, ask two questions of both Brett and, and you, George. I'll start with you, Brett. So, Sung Wan Oh, have, have you seen him pitch? And, and if you have, are you worried about him at all? Or do you think he's he's going to be fine this year? You know, or do you think he's still an elite reliever who people are just overreacting about? And I'll throw it to you, Brett, first. I think he's mostly an elite reliever that people are overreacting about. I think it's I think it's small sample. I don't think he's going to lose this job. I think Ro, I think Rosenthal is a really good. I, I I I'm I'm optimistic that the good Trevor Rosenthal is is back, and I I actually do kind of like this pickup for Scott, even though, uh, even though I do think O is is pretty uh, is pretty safe, just because you know the good the good version of Rosenthal is is playable most weeks in um in uh in in a league like labor even if he's not getting saves but um i'm he's been he's been much better lately i'm just really i'm really not all that uh i'm really not all that concerned about uh about oh you know he's he's still he's he's had four scoreless appearances in a row now he's uh six strikeouts in his last four innings. Wow. Yeah, the 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 stuff is uh, he's still he's still very good. I think the fact that he's only been around for one year is going to make people a little antsy, but uh, I don't think people should be so antsy. Yeah, he he's had I mean he had really had two bad outings like at the beginning of the year and since then he's you know has been dominant in terms of strikeout numbers, but he's right at the ship. George, you're going to say? Do you know what Sungwon O's bad right now is? <laughs> it's 364. Which is crazy high. So yeah. there's a little bit of bad luck in there. Uh, he's allowing what is it like 13 hits per nine right now? I mean that's that's just crazy. And the command has been pretty good. He's actually under two walks per nine. It's it's nine innings. I'm not reacting right now. It, yeah, he's still struggling even, in a month that or two. Said, you know the the BABIP stuff aside. I mean if <laughs> if Will, if Wilson Contreras just gets under that ball on on opening day slightly more. Nobody's having this conversation, right? It's literally an eighth of an. I, I feel like now I'm the guy from the Mighty Ducks, like an eighth of an inch the other way. And, I was uh, I was in the car listening to that game on the way home from a from an ale auction, so I I didn't see it. I only heard it, so I didn't. I don't have. I didn't have that. I actually didn't realize that. All I had was that just the you know line score in front of me. So that's a good point. Yeah, I mean he he took it. He's he's got to wear it, but. You know, he threw 38 pitches that game. I mean, it's not yeah. like it was. It's not like it was his, you know, 12th or 13th pitch of the outing. I think it was his 30. It was his 31st or 32nd pitch of the outing, um, and he was fine up until that point. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't. Be, without that, we're we're not having this conversation, and uh, and and no one's really all that concerned. So let's let's just go there. Yep. Okay. So it sounds like we can move on from him. So the other one I, I want to bring up, and George alluded to this, Brett, since we talked about him while you were away when I picked him up in ale only um, in labor, is Jordan Montgomery. Uh, so Jordan Montgomery went for 11. Uh, you know, my my take on him in a mixed format, I, I think this is a little high in terms of a bid. 
But uh, I'm curious, I, I guess, less about that and more about what you think of him, you know, as a pitcher and where he's playable. Like he's obviously playable in AL only, but you know, what what's your take, Brett, in a in a deeper mixed league with Montgomery? Um, I I wouldn't play him at this point in um, in a mixed league like Labor. I still don't I still don't trust him enough. I think there are other people that I would uh, other people that are available or on benches that I'd rather uh, I'd rather play but you know I, I think for me the upside over the rest of the season isn't extraordinarily high um, and obviously the ballpark and division are not great I mean he's not he's not the uh, the ideal of the kind of pitcher that I'd want to take a chance on in mixed leagues but you know I, I think he I think he certainly could prove to be to be usable um i'm i'm just not i'm not particularly uh i'm not particularly high on on montgomery either this year or going forward i I just i don't i don't see anything all that uh all that special here yeah i I don't george of anything new since like we talked about him like a week i I know it was the gray podcast we're all over the place so maybe we didn't give him (laughs) like the the full treatment do you have anything else about montgomery that you want to add i like jordan montgomery's odds of sticking in the rotation I think over the next couple of years, but I don't see him becoming anything more than someone you want in the back end of your fantasy rotation in a deeper league. I I just do not see it coming together um, for anything more than that. That's all. Good good picture, though. I mean, it's funny. Some some of the spin rate guys are are high on him, but I I agree with both of you. I I see him as, as maybe a four, like in in reality. And yeah, in a deep mix, that makes him at best like the last guy that you run out there regularly or the streamer and, and Yankee stadium doesn't really, you know, help with that either. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to jump around a little just cause, uh, Brett, you had a, a couple of guys that you bought, um, in labor and, and tout. So I wanted to kind of talk about that. So, um, one of the guys you bought in tout this week was, uh, was Bud Norris and you know, I, I know for some people who you know look at Bug no- Bud Norris, I called him Bug Norris, uh, perhaps subconsciously, uh, and look at him as that'd be a funny nickname. But look at him a, as a starter and think, oh, he's a bum. You know, he's he's a scrub. First of all, why did you pick him up? I mean, there's just there was a specific reason because of your roster. Yeah, I mean, I I, I own Cambodrosian and I and I have Houston Street on on my DL. Um, I'm pretty much I'm I'm in bed with the Angels bullpen, so. Um, you know, at, at this point, I really, I don't want to fall too far behind in the saves game. I'm sort of trying to, trying to piece it together on the back end. So right now my, right now my, my save, uh, <laughs> my save opportunists are, uh, Fernando Rodney, Bud Norris and Santiago Casilla. So, um, well, quite God, an armada. God there. help my ratios, but I just, I need, I need saves i need not to fall too far behind i i, I need virgin to come back soon but uh, honestly i think norris is fine i mean i think he's i think he's an average reliever in a pretty good park and i think he'll do fine for you know uh two weeks three weeks hopefully uh hopefully Bajorjian will be back within the next two to three weeks um and that'll be uh that'll be that and then i can drop him and never think about him again there, there's just no one else in that bullpen either. Like they, they picked up David Hernandez, to, you know, as a setup for Norris because you know in a trade, 
I think it was at the Braves because they were that desperate for bodies. So yeah, it's it's going to be Norris, and I agree. Norris, you know, he's not going to light up the world, but he looks fine. And you know, we've seen this with, with substitute relievers before. You know, and I mentioned before, Jim Mar Gomez got saves most of last year as the Phillies closer. You know, could Norris blow up? Sure, but he could also, you know, quite easily, you know, pick up like three or four saves or five saves the next couple of weeks. Um, the other guy you picked up in, in tout was uh, Colton Wong. And I, I have to say, I, I, it was for 64 out of your thousand. I didn't really review this or, or look at your team or your offense on the whole. So who who is he replacing? And, and was there a categorical need there? Or did you just like the player? Um, I really like Colton Wong. I, I needed someone to replace Lucas Duda um, because I had already, well, it would if I, if it wasn't uh, if it wasn't Wong, it would have been Danny Valencia. He's the other guy I have on my bench, and I did not want to play Valencia, so I went I went kind of heavy after Wong um, and uh, shifted my roster around a little bit. I have Yanover uh, Salarte, who um, who I ended up throwing at corner infield, moving Guriel to first, and uh, and playing Wong at second. And Wong's eligible both at second and outfield, which is kind of useful. Um, but he's gotten a uh, he's gotten a pretty bad rap so far uh, this season. Uh, he's he really hasn't been uh, any different than he usually is. He's just gotten a little uh, he's gotten a little unlucky, and he's hitting at the bottom of the order, which kind of hurts his counting stats. Um, but his uh, his BABIP, which is never it's never a strength of his game. Um, he's not a particularly high. BABIP guy uh, in general, um, but it's it's much lower than it should be. It's his BABIP right now is um, what is it? it's two thirty eight. He's a career two seventy seven BABIP guy. He's not a two he's not a two thirty hitter. He's only he's only struck out I think five times on the season in in about fifty plate appearances. So uh, he's he's going to he's going to play. Then I I really don't think they're going to bench him against right handed pitching. Um, he might sit a little bit against left-handers. Uh, you know, I think he's generally been sitting against left-handers so far. Um, but a uh, a nice hot streak might get him in there against some lefties. Plus, you know, with the with the uh, you know on the other end of the counting stats being down a little bit because he's hitting eighth, he's going to get pitched around a little bit more. So his his OBP is going to be a little bit uh, artificially inflated. Um, but you know he's he's just a he's a solid player who should be owned and played and you know just about every 15 team mixed league so i was a little surprised i don't know i actually don't know who uh drafted him and uh and cut him but i was i was very surprised to see him on the waiver wire this early in the season so i didn't want to kind of pass up the opportunity to jump on it yeah i wouldn't have been surprised if he went for like 90 to 100 based on on some of the reasons that you pointed out um so in labor it looks like you had some more modest pickups uh, you picked up uh tim beckham for three and you picked up cody reed for one um so what was your you know i, I we, we know how with reed i think reed was supposed to get a start and and now he's in the bullpen and i know from talking to you earlier before the show you you're aggravated by that but coming into the week what was your thinking on beckham and reed uh, Beckham, I needed a body. Troy Tulowitzki went on the DL, and I needed somebody. Oh. It was either it was either him or Taylor Mother. I mean, those are really the only two guys that were getting 
playing time. I'm I I had a four dollar bid on Modder, and I think he went for seven. Um, I clicked away from the. I he went for nine. He, he went, went for, for nine. nine. So I was the four dollar bid. I was the second highest bid, um, but uh, not not quite enough. So you know Beckham. Beckham's at least playing. Hopefully, Tulitsky won't be out for that long. But I had nobody else to plug in, so I, I needed a uh, I needed a guy. Um, and Cody Reed, I Reed is sort of the he's the anti Jordan Montgomery for me. I I think he's uh, he's certainly got a much lower floor, and you'd feel less comfortable, I think, playing Reed in an NL only than you would be playing Montgomery in an AL only. But I liked the matchup that he had on the slate before he was pulled off the schedule. Um, he was pitching at St. Louis. It's not it's not a terrible matchup. Um, and I figured I could swallow that just to get him on my reserves because I, I really do believe in Cody Reed uh, long term. I, th- I think he's going to work through. I think he's going to work through these these command issues and he's got he's got strikeout stuff. Um I just, uh, you know, he, he's, if, if, in my opinion, he's one of my, he's one of my favorite pitchers to have as sort of the last pitcher on your reserve list in in a mixed league the size of, uh, size of labor. So, uh, you know, fifteen team league. I I have I have him in uh, Tout as well. So, uh, I've got him kind of just sitting there waiting for, uh, waiting for him to uh, show the signs of life that I think he can show. But, you know, uh, he's certainly a. He's certainly a risky proposition, and uh, honestly, for my for my labor team, it's not a it's not a terrible thing in the short term that he got moved out just because he I think he's throwing eight shutout innings out of the bullpen, so I don't have uh, a ton of risk this week if uh, if for some reason he were to uh, gotten that start. But I you know I, I was a little I was a little annoyed that he got pulled out of the rotation just because I do really like his his upside. I mean he. He gave up two home runs and he gave up seven runs on those two home runs against the Cubs. I mean, there's the Cubs are really good. They beat up a lot of people. There's a lot of people who really like Chad Cool and he got destroyed against uh, the Cubs. Don't bring Worse it up. Than Cody Reed. So don't. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not off the Cody Reed bandwagon. I. I it just. Uh, it's a. It's a, an annoying setback. Can we talk about Chad Cool for one second? Because <laughs> there's actually a cool stat um, from Adam Barry, who's the... cool. <laughs> oh, oh God damn it! I didn't even. I, I seriously did not even try to do that. I wasn't no sure joke. which if you were actually making a pun or if you were just you know it was no. literally just to say it was a KUHL stat. But go ahead. <laughs> That's just how I talk because I'm under thirty. Um, Adam Barry, who covers the Pirates for Gosh. MLB.com, he had this tweet and said. Chad Cool has made 18 starts in the majors. He's allowed three or fewer runs in 15 of them. The other three have been against the Cubs. So I really like Chad Cool. I think he's a decent pitcher. I will never use him against the Cubs again because it seems like they just know not to swing at anything out of the strike zone. He gets behind and counts, and then they just sit fastball and crush it. So it was just brutal. I don't want to I don't want to start anybody against the Cubs. No, you can't. You can't do it. Um Brett, you brought up Taylor Motter. What do you make of his start so far? Because obviously he's hitting more fly balls and he's hitting for more power now. But is this approach sustainable for him? Because I actually like him more as like a speed source than I do for power. No, I don't think this is particularly sustainable. I, you know, I, I, 
my my four dollar bid in in labor, given the fact that I have a, a literal dead spot at middle infield, probably shows how uh, that I don't think he has a ton of uh, of upside in continuing all of this. But you know, he's got playing time, which is which is important. Uh, I I just don't I you know I I I don't think. Uh, I don't think this is going to. Uh, I don't think he's going to turn into just this uh, uh, this magic breakout player. And uh, I, I think the party will eventually run out by the middle of the summer. And I don't think he's going to get much playing time by then. But um, but for now, he's going to play. No, I agree with that. Do you think the Mitch Haniger injury changes a little bit of that because now he will play a little bit more in for at least? Well, a month I think or so. I think it's all part of the same timeline. I think I. I could certainly see him playing himself out of a job by the time uh, Haneker comes back, which you know hopefully be about a month from now since it's uh, since it looks like it's no bleak. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, I, I think he'll play for the next month. I just uh, I'm, I'm not optimistic that he'll do enough to play after that. He's gonna be 28 in September. Oof. Um... <laughs> Those are the those are the two guys I wanted to talk about. Aside from Bug Norris, did you have anyone else? Did you have anyone else, Brett, that you wanted to to talk about? I know it's a long list. Uh, is there anyone else here that jumped out that you you didn't buy that you wanted to mention? Um, no, but I wanted to go back in time and talk about someone that I bought last week. I don't sure. know if you guys talk. Did you guys talk about Jesse Chavez last week? <laughs> probably probably not I, I guess you didn't listen to that podcast it was mostly gray and i talking about new jersey and having the i'm from jersey you're from jersey experience which i'm sorry you weren't here for uh there was also a riff on like guys our, i'm literally in new jersey right now i know there was literally and there was a there was a riff on on servers and our peeves about like servers at restaurants and we probably talked for five minutes about fab so no we didn't really talk about jesse chavez he's better okay. than you think <laughs> so Jesse. then why mike why do people not like jesse chavez explain well, this to me because i have blinders on well what what i think about him well well first of all you're you're not overselling him as anything more than like a number four you know for the angels are you like that that's pretty no, much i think he's i think he's a i think he's a startable pitcher in a right. team mix league well, you know, it's funny. We we're just talking about Jordan Montgomery, and I, I made this point at the bottom of the mix section this week, which is, you know, there's there's so many pitchers that go for a buck or two in in that labor league, and then guys go for five or six or or seven or ten, and and you squint and you're like, yeah, they're they're, they're so similar. Like there's there's almost like a, a name brand thing going on versus the generic. And you know, Chavez, he kind of came up late. He was profiled as a reliever. He was with an A's team that people didn't really have much regard for. You know, then he had that good half, and people were excited. But then he slumped, so people were like, "Well, see, that proves my point." I agree with you. He he's fine as a as a back end guy in a mixed league, and he'll you know he could certainly go out and give you a, a terrible start. You know, we've seen that, but we we know the other side of it. He could go out and give you four or five starts where. He puts up like a three six or a three eight in those starts, and you look at him and you're like, yeah, that's you know, with the strikeouts, like that that's fine. So I think there's a prejudice with him just because he isn't a name, like he isn't a new name like a Jordan Montgomery. But honestly, at the end of the year, if if, Chavez, if, if Jesse Chavez is better than Montgomery, we shouldn't be surprised. I think he's better than Montgomery now. I'd take him over Montgomery in a second. I mean, in terms, of, well, I'm saying in terms of his numbers, like if if he's better. 
I, but but see, you say that. I I think that I guess that's the point. I think a lot of people look at him and see it the other way, which is they they're like they want the shiny new toy, as opposed to the guy who at this point you know is making me feel old looking at this. You know, he he's been in the majors. You know, since 2010 as a reliever, actually longer. Since wow, he's been with the he was with the Pirates in 2008. This is like crap. I don't even remember. And uh, yeah. he's been a starter since 2014. And you know, that was the thing. Yeah, that year he had a three four five. You know, last three years four one eight four four three four one three so far this year. If but, you, you know, if, go yeah, ahead. but that four the the ERA is skewed this year because they brought him in in an in extra inning game. But when he was he was not slated to uh, he was not right. slated to pitch. Yeah, that was bad. He has a 3.13 ERA as a starter in four starts this year with almost a strikeout per inning. Just look at his career numbers, okay? He's thrown 628 innings in his career. He's averaging eight strikeouts per nine. Like, he's kind of just like league average all across the board. And that is valuable in deeper mixes, which I think I, is the direction you're going with this, Brett. That, yeah, there's not a lot of upside in quotes, but you can bank on giving you know him giving you 100 innings, 150 innings of good production. Although Brett might have, you might have hit the nail the, you might have hit the nail on the head with with the problem with with Chavez, which is he is the kind of pitcher who gets put in those situations, whether it's in the bullpen or more commonly at the end of a start where they're like, you know what, we're just going to hang you out to dry because you're not a prospect or you're not the next big thing. You know, he does have a career four or five, two ERA and I'm, you know, I'm not going to go and parse his, his entire career. You know, whereas Montgomery is someone who the Yankees, if he has two or three bad starts, they might be like, you know what, we're going to send you down or, or we're going to ease up on you a little bit. That That's some of the difference. And I'm not trying to oversell Montgomery or undersell, undersell uh, Chavez, but you know, we do kind of see that in the like. I, I don't want to go too far the other way with Chavez and say, yeah, you know, he's a great pitcher. You know, we're telling you he's going to do what he did in 2014. But yeah, he he's got a reliability factor, and he's a streamer in mixed with in deep mix without a doubt. He has a yeah, but he's problem. also he's got he he makes you break from the norms in thinking about how you view a guy who toggles between the bullpen and the rotation. Chavez is better as a starter than he is as a reliever. He he has been. He's posted better numbers. I mean, if you just looked at him as a starter since two thousand for since two thousand fourteen, so two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen, and two thousand seventeen, because he he did not start a game in twenty sixteen. Um, you know, this is very back of the envelope math, but you know, he's got about a three point, I think about a three point eight five ERA with about eight strikeouts per nine inning. Over about 300 innings, that's really good. And you know what? That that's that's pretty good. That's that's usable. And he just get, he gets treated like someone who's just not. He's he's unowned everywhere. And I don't understand this for the life of me. I think one of my first articles at BP was about Jesse Chavez. <laughs> like, so you you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I I do yeah, like, but Chavez. no. To, to Mike's point, I did. The point is not to make him out to be more than he is. You know, Chavez is not. He's not an ace. He's not an SP2, but he's he's someone who, unless you're in a 12-team mixed league, he should be owned. And even if you're in a 12-team mixed league, he makes for a really nice streamer when he plays against a shitty offense at home. I, I, you know, my thing with him is, an, and, and, you know, I, I've seen this in only, he, even in only, he goes for a buck or two, and he, he's just kind of an afterthought. And, yeah, it, it is the guys like Montgomery or the next big thing that 
you know, go for ten or fifteen or twenty in fab, or you know, purchase purchase at auction for a price where you're like, well, you know, okay, like if if you get all the upside here, it's going to work out, but you almost definitely won't. But we can we can move on to the only. So okay. yeah, uh, in the NL, I I lost Starling Marte, and I, the less I I have to talk about that, the the better. That was we t- we did talk about that last week, and and that was frustrating. So rather than putting in a big bid on any of the many wonderful hitters that you see here in the article, I, I put in a bunch of low level bids. So I, I missed out on an. Enrique Hernandez, and I missed out on TJ Rivera, uh, and I essentially wound up with Phil Irvin, which isn't great, but it wasn't so much that I wanted Irvin. It was more Irvin was my fourth choice, and I didn't want to get into a position where I was sinking, you know, really any kind of money into one of these players who is marginal. I explained this in the piece, and, and I did this last year, and it's, it's worked pretty well for me the last couple of years. I kind of prefer to wait for like a touted rookie to come up or be close to coming up and and sink my money into someone like that and you know make two or three like big moves you know as opposed to being like all right I'm going to bid 100 on Enrique Hernandez and you know we we already see you know with all the changes the Dodgers are making Hernandez went from someone of looking like oh he's going to play quite a bit and now Bellinger's up, you're like, well, he's sort of back to where he was, where he might play, but he also might just get three or four at-bats in a week. Yeah, he's not going to play now. Right. So, and even when he, even if he was going to play, it's like, okay, you might get lucky like you did in 2015, and he might be a, a fairly useful, you know, NL-only power source. But more realistically, he'll do what he did in 2016, which is not be very good. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so Irvin was my Irvin was my buy, and my, you know my thinking on Irvin. I mentioned in the article he's he's a long shot for a few steals, and that's really what I need to replace with Marte. What what's really odd about my tout offense is that outside of the steals, uh, thanks to Jason Hayward performing, thanks to Manuel Margot being solid, uh, thanks to a number of players actually doing what I expect them to do. I'm not as worried about the offense overall as I would be otherwise outside of the steals that I'm losing from Marte. So that's what I need to replace. That's what I kind of need to go out and get. So every move I make the next couple of weeks, barring more injuries, will be in an effort to try to replace those steals. It's, that's such a tough situation to be in with Marte. I mean, well, and, and, an old, and an only, too. Also, like, it really screws up the Pirates defensively, too, because they essentially don't have a right fielder right now. I mean, they're, they're playing Osuna there, but he's not an outfielder, really. He's terrible. So, it's it's bad all around. Uh, it's, can you, it Mike, can you, you, you can't move him off of your reserves. He's, he's one of your four, right? Nope. Um, so, what happened was... Here's the weird thing on the site. He's listed as a reserve, but the way the rules are wor- or the rules are worded, he counts as a disabled player. So I, it, it's oh, not like Jungho Gong, okay. who I'm I'm carrying as a reserve. Uh, Marte counts as as a DL guy. Okay. Well, that's... Oh, if he, if that would be a big. Uh, honestly, if he counters a reserve, I would have cut Gong because I'd be like, I, I can't carry two guys like that. Yeah, that's that's almost impossible. Well, especially with my pitching strategy where. You know, I, I've I've got McCarthy has pretty much been my third guy at this point because he's been so good. Uh, but I'm carrying like Trevor Cahill and Scott Feldman for matchups. Uh, if you want to hear something else funny they've about been, they've that been out, really good too. <laughs> well, 
Trevor's the funny thing about Trevor Town Hall. If, if I had Feldman and and Cahill in instead of Cueto and Hendricks, I'd be better off. Yeah, I mean, we know how that works. You know, obviously, it's just the the luck of the draw in the first month. But it's just funny it's worked out that way. I, I watched yeah. Trevor Cahill the other day, and he was not terrible. It was like kind of refreshing. I was like, oh wow, I didn't expect that. Yeah. So. Well, and Feldman, even Feldman, he's been like okay. Like he's he had one bad start, and otherwise he's he's been a reliable. The thing about Feldman is, I like, you were talking about this with with Chavez. I was looking at Feldman's numbers last year. I was like, you know what? He wasn't. I think he had area in the high threes. Like he wasn't awful, which is what you think when you think of Scott Feldman. You think yeah, he had that one big year, but otherwise he stinks. But that's just not the case. Like he's another one that who's a kind of a streaming option and only, and you know maybe even a mix somebody you can kind of pluck and. You know, hope for a couple of good starts. Yeah, I mean, the only problem with Feldman is that he's not—he doesn't have the park advantage. That uh, right, he's that, a road—he's uh, a road streamer with without yep. a doubt. Um, I know it's a long NL list, and, and Irvin's the one guy I picked up. We we pretty much wrote off Hernandez, and, and this bid now doesn't look nearly as good now that they called up Bellinger. Um, Matt Cain had a good start, uh, then he got hurt. Uh, do you guys agree with me that he's just not somebody you can believe in? No. I agree. Pass. Okay. Uh, Alan Cordova, uh, you know, even with the Padres having injuries and and a bad back end of the roster, uh, do you agree with me that he's somebody who just probably won't do much even in that situation, or do you think you can expect something out of him? Um, I mean, I'd rather have Cordova than Enrique Hernandez um, at this point. I mean, at, at the time of the at the time of bidding I, I i would have reversed it but you know i he's interesting enough to uh to get a bid like this in in nl yeah that's yeah. true and i bid the i bid the 14 again on him and ahead of Irvin. so you know if that if that bid didn't come through i would have been happy with well relatively happy with cordoba at 14 the one nice uh, thing is he's a rule five pick so you know he's going to be on the roster like there's no risk of him getting sent down or anything like that so there's right. that well yeah or i mean the other thing that could happen though is he could tweak a hamstring and oh, you yeah. know legitimately and he could disappear for three months on the oh, DL. i didn't think yeah. that <laughs> i hope Good i didn't point. just jinx it oh yeah. no uh zach efflin now i i know that um i, I don't want to mention my name because I, I don't know if he listens or not but there was a phillies writer who it wasn't Matt Winkleman, obviously, but there's a Phillies writer that was talking about Eflin's like uptick in velocity and how he's looked solid the last couple starts. Uh, have you seen anything in him that makes you think that he's more than what he was last year, or is he still kind of a back end NL only guy and you know someone who's only a a favorable matchups guy for you, even in an only? Yeah, I don't think he's a I don't think he's a step forward guy. I think he's he kind of is what he is. I mean, if you want someone who it could be potentially a step forward guy in that or in that uh, in that organization, I'd, I'd take him. I'd put Eflin behind both uh, Jake Thompson and Nick Pavetta. Yeah, and in the interest of full disclosure, I, I got sucked into Eflin a little bit in tout last year, so I'm a little gun shy. But you know, Eflin, from what I, and I've watched him a few times, you know, living here, he has a good fastball. He just doesn't have much else. And you see it, like you see hitters when they figure that out, they're like, all right, well, you know, I'm just going to lay off the fastball or I'm going to lay off the off speed stuff and just time the fastball. And that's what happens to pitchers like that in the major leagues. And then one more in the NL, um, TJ Rivera is, is there any chance at all that 
you know, he's going to replace Jose Reyes at some point. You know, I'm thinking no. I, I, I would not say never, um, but I, I think it's I think it's pretty unlikely. Oh, oh, I have a uh, fun one. Uh, better odds of replacing an incumbent third baseman: T.J. Rivera in New York or Marco Hernandez in Boston. Well, I mean, it's probably Hernandez just because it's more likely that, you know, at some point Ahmed Rosario comes up and either is the third baseman or they move as Drupal to third. It just doesn't seem to me like if Reyes is out, like it doesn't seem to me like Rivera is anything more than a stopgap as a starter. See, I just need a reason to bring up Marco Hernandez. I I know. We we have to talk about him every week. That's like an in-joke now. Carry on. Anyone else in the NL? I, I know it was a pretty uninspiring list. Um, not for me, no. I thought I have... about bidding on Rene Rivera, which is all you really <laughs> need to know. I have some AL guys I think are interesting, but they're more of like the Tau AL guys than the oh. than the Labor guys. But go ahead. Well, yeah, Labor was was really quiet. Uh, you know, somebody bid on Blake Parker when they thought maybe you know he might be the guy instead of. Norris and now it just doesn't look like that at all so you know somebody's out five bucks yeah the AL was was really quiet this week and yeah labor AL some of that as just a reminder listeners you can't bid on guys in the minors so uh, that was a large you know part of that it was just a really really quiet week you know no no bid over five uh, five bids total that were even two or more. Who are the guys in tout, George, that you were that jumped out at you? I think Jorge Bonifacio is interesting. I know Craig Goldstein, um, our minor league editor at BP, really likes him. Um, he had a home run off you, Darvish, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, the guy for me, actually, I think is like weird, and I, I don't know whether it's going to continue or not. Uh, Brad Peacock, I actually wrote about him in the free agent watch for AL only. I know what you're thinking, Brad Peacock's terrible, but he's getting a ton of swinging strikes right now. Um, his swinging strike rate is like 20%, which is insanely high. Um, I know it's only like 7 or 10 innings or something like that, but he's throwing just a ton of sliders. And coming out of the bullpen, doing that in an AL only, like I'm kind of interested in that. Brad Peacock is not terrible. No, he's good, and what they're asking him to do, it's like a... He's, he was, Peacock was was kind of, he was a pop-up prospect as a starter back in, I want to say 2012, 2013. Was it with Oakland? Had to have been at least four National? years ago. Um, he had he had a huge season in the upper minors, and now I'm, maybe 2011. This, this had to have been forever ago, back when he was with the Nationals. Yeah. Um. But he was, you know, he was always more of a just a two pitch guy, and he was he was very miscast as a as a starting pitching prospect. It was 2011. That was the year I was thinking of. He threw 150 innings in the minors, struck out 177 batters, um, and got uh, got up to the majors for for a, for a cup of coffee. Um, you know, I picked I picked Peacock up to start him in a uh, in a 20 team dynasty league that I'm in um just because he I like him better than any of the starting pitchers that are available on the waiver wire. I like how Houston uses their relievers. They like multi-inning 
uh, outings from their relievers. And for a guy like Peacock, I think that's really, uh, I think that's really useful. Um, and he, he is missing a lot of bats. So, uh, I, I like, uh, I like it a lot. I think, you know, obviously he's, he's going to allow a run at some point and, uh, probably more than one hit, but, um, you know, I, I think he could. I think he could pitch enough and pitch effectively enough to get to uh, triple-digit strikeouts as a reliever. He's got 15 strikeouts in nine and two-thirds innings this season, which is really, really good. I'll mm-hmm. take it. Uh, yep, those are my guys, Mike. I thought they were interesting. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> we we promised one of our listeners we would talk about Wade Miley. I know he was a mixed. By, but do you have anything to Brett? I know of the three of us, you've been the highest on him, and I know again, this is like relatively speaking, you know. So, so what do you think of Miley? Like he had another, not as many strikeouts, but another solid outing tonight against the the Rays. He did allow a couple runs as we're talking right now. Uh, pretty much the same deal for you with Miley, like somebody who's you know useful as a back end perhaps or a streamer in mix, but nothing more. Or do you see anything else there? Now, I I really don't like using Miley as a streamer in Mex because he's just very unpredictable. Uh, he's much more unpredictable than I like my Mex streamers to be. Um, but that said, you know he is a guy who you know I've I've pretty consistently felt comfortable with just plugging in in like a in an AL only or a really deep Mex league and just kind of letting him go. You just you can't you know you you can't really get too cute with him um but uh but if you if you need an arm uh if you need an arm is going to give you innings and and has strikeout potential you know miley's a a a pretty good pretty good guy at that point yeah and and tonight tonight was just a good example he walks six so like the the whip is where you've got a really i I get really wary with him a whip's always whip's always been his problem but you know if it wasn't he'd be good (laughs) all right wade miley is like a uh, bag of marshmallows. Like they're fun every now and then to have one, but if you ate them every night, you'd probably die. Well, and you don't want to eat a whole bag of marshmallows because you know if you even as a kid, like as a kid, I mean as a adult, you never. But as a kid, like you get a bag of marshmallows, and it's like ooh, a bag of marshmallows, and then like after the second or third one, you're like, oh my god, this is in theory this is great, but it's really gross. <laughs> Are you guys pro or anti peeps? Anti. I am anti. They're disgusting. They'll never sponsor this show, so I'm not worried about that. But they're gross. Do not like peeps. Hashtag Easter tweets. Um, any other stuff here? Or are we uh, we good to wrap up? I don't know. I'm watching Eric Thames right now. So uh, and there's two guys on. So he might he might get number eleven. He's you, have, you, you, have Wade, you have Wade Davis. Uh, not Wade Davis. Uh, uh, Wade Miley. No, no, no. The Brewers pitcher who's going Zach, tonight. Zach Davies. Zach Davies. You have him active. Oh, someone in a, just robbed the hymns of a hit. Do you have him active in, in one of your leagues, Brett? I thought you did. I do not have him active anywhere. Except I, have, I have him active in my home league. Okay, He's having a nice start. And what I've, what I've seen flipping around looks encouraging like compared to some of his earlier starts. It looks like he's back. I mean, it's one start, but it looks like he's back on point. Yeah, I, I think he'll. I think he'll get it together. I'm. I certainly. Ha, you know, I've had him in labor, and I've been sitting him for the past. Uh, I, I started him in week one, and after after watching him be a little, a little, uh, a little tentative, I I I 
benched him just uh i've been benching him the last couple of weeks but i am uh i am nowhere near thinking about cutting him i, I still i still like him as a as a long-term guy this year once you get into the middle of the year i feel like he's the type of guy who thrives in that type of profile because if you're not squaring him up and he can get into grooves like he's a guy who'll give you you know you look up and it's the sixth inning and he's still out there so he seems like one of those guys to me that i think kind of comes on as the season goes he had a rough start to last year too so i don't know how much of it is just this is who he is and it takes him a little while to get going or or what the deal is but he went through a similar thing last year i remember and on that note, uh, we'll take a sure. quick break <laughs> and wrap up the show. No, no more of Zach Davies' thoughts. listening to episode 130 of flags fly forever this has been a baseball perspectives fantasy podcast subscribe today with a one-year premium membership to read all of us on baseballperspectives.com we have some really great stuff going on with the uh, fantasy content right now uh we have a bunch of new writers who are doing fantastic things uh eric roseberry's doing the buyer's guide we have the stash list this year with greg wellmeyer who we've had on the show and there's just a, a ton of really cool stuff going on, so make sure you check it out uh, over at BP. Don't forget to uh, sign up for a super premium membership. That gives you access to the Bat Signal. It's our personalized fantasy answering service. BP Ballpark events are back. They begin on June 17th in Baltimore. Those were a big hit last year. They're really great, so you should check out BaseballPerspectus.com. You can find out more information and purchase your tickets. I promise they're going to be a lot of fun. And if you go to the one in Baltimore, I believe you'll be able to harass Craig Goldstein in person. Right, Brett? It's true. Craig will be there. Yeah, that, that's a lot of fun. Well worth the price of admission. Uh, so you can find out more information at BaseballPerspectus.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes if you have not left us a review. What are you waiting for? You should absolutely do that. So for Mike Gianella and Brett Sayer, it's George Bissell saying thanks for listening. Until our next show, so long, everybody. Goodbye.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.